Hey there, before we start this podcast, I just wanted to let you know that we do have chapter markers starting this podcast. That means if you don't want to listen to a certain section of the podcast, you can click that chapter marker and just go to the next section. There is a spoiler section with this podcast, so if you look at the chapter markers, please do that. I also did a little bit of an announcement during the podcast to let you know to skip a little bit farther ahead. With that said, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast, Temple Archives, Episode 4, Tempting Darkness. My name is Noma, and I am joined by my two co-hosts, Dan. Hey! And Ed. hey So if you are a first-time listener to this podcast, uh, let me summarize what Temple Archives is and what we generally do on our podcasts. We discuss Star Wars canon, and basically what we do is we will summarize stories and comics for you guys if you haven't read them and you're not really interested but you do kind of want to learn more about star wars we'll also go into how it relates to legends and canon material at the end of each of our synopses we'll go into a discussion about the novel or comic book that we're talking about and we'll also try and tell you where it fits into the timeline you know between the movies or tv shows or any of those kinds of things before we get into the books uh, just a quick recap, in case anyone doesn't know. There's a lot of different ways to get into contact with us. Uh, one of the best ways is through our email, which is voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Again, that's voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. We've also got a Twitter, which is at voiceforcepod. A Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash voiceforcepod. And as well, you can also listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And reviewing helps with visibility, so it's very much appreciated. And as a bonus, or I guess it would be the main reason, it definitely lets us know what you guys think, if there's anything you think we should change, uh, anything that annoys you, any of that stuff. I mean, we've got thick skins. We can take whatever you guys got. And we're making this for you guys. You know, it's we have a lot of fun doing this, but at the end of the day, it's to try and entertain you guys. So if there's anything that uh, we can do to improve your experience, then we will definitely take it to heart and try our best to add that in. Uh, and then one last little thing. Uh, remember as well to subscribe for free for the latest episode as soon as it releases. Remember to listen as well to the outro to find out what we'll be covering on the next episode. All right. And with that being said, let's head into our first couple of synopses. Um, like we do at the beginning of every episode, I'm just going to give a quick uh, warning. There are going to be a lot of spoilers for this. We're going to go through the entire synopsis of the book. We'll be leaving out certain things, but all of the major plot points will be hitting. So if you haven't read this stuff and you don't want anything spoiled for you, uh, you should go and listen to those now and then come back and you can hear the synopsis and hear our discussions about it. And as well, like I've said a couple of times before, um, this is a synopsis that's basically just for people who have no interest in reading the books or have read it but have kind of forgotten and want to get caught up to speed before we get into the discussion. Um, if you are interested in reading the books, we definitely recommend going out, grabbing them, whether that's on Audible like a bunch of us do or paperback. Mark Thompson? Because it's, yeah, Mark Thompson, 100%. Um, because it's it's important, right? If you're out there supporting the official releases, then that tells Disney that 
we like this stuff and we want to see more of it. And that's the only way that we're actually going to be getting more uh, releases in the future. So it's very important. And also, I mean, come on, who doesn't like to listen or read new Star Wars stuff? Quick piece you wouldn't too. be here otherwise, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't read some of these older books, uh, they are a lot cheaper now because they're on paperback. And the paperbacks cost a lot less than the hardcovers do. You can spend, mm-hmm. I think it's like 7 bucks Canadian or so, for $10 Canadian for a paperback version of the book they're a lot smaller in uh um, height and width wise they're a little thicker but uh they are a lot cheaper and sometimes you get the short stories that which will one of which we'll be covering today included in the book at the beginning so that's kind of Mm -hmm. a cool little easter egg too oh yeah definitely so without further ado let's begin with our short story which is a prequel to dark disciple it is called kindred spirits The author is Christy Golden, and the original publication was in Star Wars Insider number 159. The former Sith assassin, Asajj Ventress, and the Bloodbone Order pirate captain, Lhasa Raimi, embark on a mission to seize the freighter Steady On from Hondo Onaka's pirate base on Florum. Ventress poses as Raimi's Jedi bounty, while Raimi poses as a renegade member of her own crew. Weeks earlier, Raimi had rescued Ventress after the latter had accepted an ill-fated job to serve as an escort for the cargo ship Steady On, which was carrying a valuable item. However, Ventress and the other mercenary starfighters had been ambushed by the Onaka gang. Ventress was wounded during the attack and was rescued by Raimi and her Bloodbone Order, who had intended to raid the Steady On. Raimi had brought the wounded Ventress to the med bay of her starship Opportunity and healed her injuries. Raimi had also towed Ventress's ship, the Banshee, for repairs. After finding Ventress's lightsaber, Raimi thought she was a Jedi and enlisted her help in recovering the Steady On. In return, Ventress would get to keep the valuable item aboard the freighter. Prior to the mission, One of Raimi's crew had infiltrated the Steady On and reported back that Hondo was away but had left the skeleton crew behind to unload the freighter. Using Ventress as her Jedi prisoner, Raimi managed to convince Hondo's Lieutenant Jiro to let them inside the Steady On. Inside the ship, Raimi poses as a renegade member of her own crew and offers to join the Onaka gang by using her Jedi prisoner as a bargaining chip. To curry favor with Jiro, the disguised Raimi offers to disclose her boss's plans so that he can defeat Raimi and become Hondo's second-in-command. Growing impatient with Jiro's grilling, Ventress uses the Force to grab her lightsaber and attempts to attack the the Weequay pirates. Some of the guards open fire, but Ventress uses her lightsaber to deflect the Weequay's blaster bolts. After knocking out two pirates, she is kicked in the small of her back by Raimi, who pretends to force her to yield. While Jiro's men take Ventress into custody, Raimi proceeds with her deal with Jiro. In return for Jiro extorting a ransom from the Jedi Council, Raimi would join their crew and help them find Lhasa Raimi's fleet. While Jiro is hesitant to move without Hondo's approval due to his earlier mutiny on Florum, Raimi offers to vouch for him if he attacks first. Unknown to Jiro, Ventress's attempted escape was a means for Raimi to use the lightsaber to damage her stun cuffs. After being led out of the Grand Hall, Ventress uses the Force to shatter her remaining binders and knocks four guards unconscious. 
Ventress then rushes to secure the valuable item aboard the Steady On. Back in the Grand Hall, Lasaremi manages to convince Jiro to send the bulk of the remaining ships on Florum to attack the Bloodbone Order's fleet. To distract Jiro, La supplies him with booze and tells him tales about Raimi's hoard of Tivraki whiskey. After Ventress had slipped outside, Lassa attacks the drunken Jiro with Ventress's lightsaber. Before the fight can escalate, Hondo Onaka returns and chastises Jiro for sending away his crew and accepting a Jedi bounty. When Onaka confronts Lassa, she reveals herself as the true Lassa Raimi and demands the stolen Steady On and its hull. Though outnumbered and not Force-sensitive, Raimi uses Ventress's lightsaber to knock Onaka's electrostaff out of his hand. She then fires a blaster at Hondo and flings the lightsaber towards the doorway. Meanwhile, Ventress uses a combination of the Force and the pirate's own blasters to mow down the unloading crew and Hondo's ten men. Respecting Raimi's wishes, Ventress wounds, but does not kill them. Sensing the Force, Ventress retrieves her lightsaber. Some of Hondo's pirates try and grab it in midair and lose their fingers as a result. Uh. At that point, Ventress senses the arrival of another ship with two dozen lifeforms on it. Back in the Grand Hall, Hondo manages to knock Lassa's blaster out of her hand and knocks her down. However, Lassa manages to grab the blaster and fires it at Hondo. Following the skirmish on Florum, Lassa and Ventress depart aboard the Opportunity with a valuable item that Ventress had requested. While chatting about their successful mission, Ventress asks why Raimi lacks tattoos unlike other Pantorans. Lassa explains that she has loyalties to nobody but her crew, whom she regards as her family. The two drink whiskey to celebrate their success, which is much better than the beverages served on Coruscant's level 1313. Lassa offers Ventress a place among her crew, complete with income, bed and board, and adventure. While Ventress likes the offer, she is still haunted by the deaths of her fellow Sisters and turns it down. Lassa accepts Ventress's decline, but tells her that the offer still stands, should she change her mind. In return, Ventress offers her services as a bounty hunter. At Raimi's request, Ventress opens the cargo she was tasked with escorting. The object turns out to be a simple statuette of a sea mammal with four flippers and an elongated muzzle. Despite its beauty, Ventress is still determined to deliver it to her employer. And that wraps up the prequel story, Kindred Spirits. So from there, let's move on to the main novel, Dark Disciple. The author is Christy Golden. The cover artist is Matt Taylor and Scott Biel. And the cover's kind of nice it's got a nice contrast you get uh the two main characters on the front quinlan voss and asajj ventress and a smear of red and black uh over with a lot of grit over white which kind of goes with the themes of kind of muddled between the paths of light and dark but we'll learn about that shortly the nice thing about the cover that i liked about it was the contrast like you said um mm-hmm. the tattoos on their faces are all out like they're all kind of um fluorescent colors as their bodies mm-hmm. are like grayscale uh voss has his uh, lightsaber and then you see ventress has only one lightsaber as indicated in the prequel and uh, it's not her red ones because they were stolen mm-hmm. so keep that in mind by... when we're reading through this yeah stolen by a padawan mm. ironically <laughs> anyways with that being said let's go to the opening crawl 
For years, the galaxy-wide conflict known as the Clone Wars has raged. The struggle between the rightful government of the Galactic Republic and the Confederacy of Independent Systems has claimed the lives of untold billions. The force-wielding Jedi, for millennia the guardians of peace in the galaxy, have been thwarted at nearly every turn by the Separatists and their leader, the Sith Lord, Count Dooku. With the war showing no signs of ending, and the casualties mounting each day, the Jedi must consider every possible means of defeating their cunning foe. Whether some means are too unthinkable, and some allies too untrustworthy, has yet to be revealed. Prologue. Exposition. In a Republic ship fleeing Manory, a refugee, Ashu Nyamao, runs away from her family, wanting revenge on the Separatists. After evading a clone trooper, she reaches the bridge where she sees Jedi General Chubor pleading with Count Dooku by hologram to allow the Moran refugees to escape. After revealing that he knows the conversation is being broadcast back to the Jedi Council, Dooku orders the ships destroyed. The attack on Marani is witnessed by the Jedi Council. This pushes them to a morally questionable decision, as suggested by Master Mace Windu. Assassinate Count Dooku, and thus bring an end to the Clone Wars. Despite being against the decision, Master Obi-Wan Kenobi suggests Quinlan Voss for the task. Sir, you seem troubled. No, Quinlan Voss has that effect. Ah... Yes, that Jedi has quite a reputation. Part 1. Partnering with Asajj Ventress. Meanwhile, Master Voss, disguised as Tall, along with a Moran Jedi Knight, Akar Deshu, foils a black market operation in Otor's hub run by a Kuravar merchant named Sheb Valad. While returning to Coruscant, they receive news of a Separatist attack on Manoray, and a message from Kenobi requesting that Voss attend a meeting with the Jedi Council. At the meeting, the Jedi Council briefs Quinlan about their plans to assassinate Count Dooku. Voss accepts the mission, but insists that a companion accompany him. Master Yoda recommends the Night Sister and failed Sith apprentice Asajj Ventress as Voss's partner. In the end, Voss reluctantly agrees to the mission and promises to get in touch with Ventress. Following the meeting, Voss travels down to Coruscant's level 1313 to inquire about Ventress's whereabouts. At a CD bar, the undercover Jedi meets several bounty hunters who are acquainted with Ventress, including the Trandoshan Bosk and his leader, Boba Fett. That is an interesting piece right there. Boba Fett being the leader of Bosk, like his mm-hmm. his kind of no, bounty been hunter for leader. Years though, no. They've been well uh, in in the expanded universe anyway. Trando, the Trandoshan Bosk, the bounty hunter, he mm. and Boba Fett are pretty much ill will, as far as I remember. Oh. So that's an interesting. I didn't read that about yeah. them. I didn't know that. But Boba Fett, yeah, and Boba Fett. I, I think it. I think it takes from the the Clone Wars series where you keep seeing them together yeah. doing jobs. Yes, and then, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, we get mm. introduced to the other ones as well. Yeah, and here we we get a thing where apparently Boba started his own syndicate, which is interesting. Yeah, I like that. So. Mm-hmm. Fett reveals that Ventress took a job on the planet Pantora, chasing down a Volpi fugitive named Moragai. Using this information, Voss travels to Pantora, where he stumbles upon Ventress's hunt. Due to Quinlan's arrival, Moragai manages to escape, 
After a tense conversation, Voss and Ventress join forces and are eventually able to capture the Volpi. Later, Voss meets up with Ventress in her ship, the Banshee. There, the undercover Jedi poses as a bounty hunter who is interested in partnering up with Ventress. Believing that Voss has skill despite his irritating behavior, Ventress reluctantly agrees to accept him as her partner. Voss spends the next two weeks aboard Ventress's Banshee, training and conducting on several hunts together. Though he is careful to disguise his true identity, on one occasion, Voss saves Ventress by using the Force to knock the blaster out of a weak way target's hand, allowing Ventress to finish him off. Thankfully for Voss, Ventress does not notice his use of the Force. On their fifth hunt together, the two bounty hunters work together to capture the estranged former first mate of the Bloodbone Order's captain, Lassa Raimi. Ventress manages to bait the fugitive using her feminine charms. As thanks for their swift capture of the first mate, Raimi gives them a bottle of Tevraki whiskey, which the two hunters enjoy together. While drinking, Voss tries to inquire as to Ventress's training. However, she remains tight-lipped. Through their conversation, the two hunters begin to develop feelings for each other. Later, while Ventress visits Coruscant's level 1313 to make modifications to the Banshee, Voss takes the opportunity to meet up with Kenobi and discuss the progress of his mission. As Voss has managed to establish a rapport with Ventress, Kenobi urges his fellow Jedi to find a way to motivate her against Dooku. While on Coruscant, Ventress accepts a job from the Pike Syndicate, a powerful cartel of drug runners and spice dealers, who are based on the rocky planet of Obadiah. The local Pike Syndicate boss, Marg Krim, begs the two bounty hunters to rescue his wife, Tezka Krim, and their two children, Lali and Vram, who have been kidnapped by the rival Black Sun Crime Syndicate. Black Sun is holding his family prisoner at their fortress on the volcanic world of Mustafar. Traveling to Mustafar, the two rent lava fleas and visit a bar called The Last Resort. There, they jump and interrogate a falling Black Sun guard and force him to divulge information about the hostages. The two hunters manage to infiltrate Black Sun's fortress through an exposed balcony outcropping. They manage to rescue Krim's two children, but are unable to find their mother. Pursued by the Black Sun sentries, the two hunters and the children attempt to escape on their lava fleas, while Ventress with Lali manages to jump onto their lava flea mount, a blaster bolt hits Quinlan's back, causing Vram to lose his grip and fall towards the lava below. However, Voss uses the Force to levitate the boy to safety. After returning to the Banshee, the two bounty hunters formulate a plan to rescue Tezka while Ventress treats Voss's wounds. As she does, Voss realizes he is starting to fall in love with the former Sith Apprentice. Using his psychometric powers, Voss touches Lali's locket and discovers that her mother Tezka is still in the fortress and a prisoner of the Black Sun leader, Zaitan Maj, himself. With this information, he and Ventress begin to formulate a plan. Ventress enters the fortress disguised as a negotiator. As she stalls Zaitan, Voss manages to free Tezka from her cell. Following a struggle with Zaitan and his men, the two hunters manage to escape Mustafar on the Banshee with Krim's family. After returning to Obadiah, Mark Krim rewards Ventress with double the pay. As they depart the planet, the two hunters witness a Black Sun fleet exiting hyperspace to eradicate the Pike Syndicate.
Unable to help the Pikes, Voss and Ventress have little choice but to flee into hyperspace. Part 2. Joining Forces Against Dooku Burdened with the guilt of being unable to protect Krim's family, Quinlan Voss reveals that he is a Jedi to Asajj. However, Ventress is already aware of this, as she had witnessed him using his Force powers to save himself and Vram during their escape on Mustafar. Voss tells Ventress that the Jedi Council have sent him to assassinate Count Dooku, and also want him to enlist Ventress's support in the attempt. Having come to respect Voss and seeing an opportunity to assassinate her former master, Ventress agrees to help, but warns Voss that fighting the Separatist leader will not be possible without tapping into the dark side of the Force. Later, Voss informs Kenobi of this new development in their assassination plot. However, Kenobi cautions his fellow master to be wary of Ventress's manipulative nature. Still, Quinlan insists he can trust her for now. To begin Voss's training in the dark side, Ventress takes him to her adopted homeworld of Dathomir, a planet that is steeped in the dark side. While in Ventress's company, Voss learns about her background, including her enslavement, her apprenticeship to the stranded Jedi Knight Kai Narek, his death and her rage at the warlords who took his life, and her subsequent apprenticeship and falling out with Count Dooku resulting in her escape to Dathomir, and then the loss of her sister family. During his training, Voss develops a romantic relationship with Ventress, but struggles to avoid fully embracing the dark side of the Force. In an effort to drive Voss closer to the dark side, Ventress claims that Dooku murdered his late teacher, Jedi Master Thulm. However, in reality, Ventress herself had been Thulm's killer. Under the tutelage of Ventress, Voss undergoes a rigorous training regime, designed to expose him to Night Sister's culture, while simultaneously boosting his strength, endurance, and force powers. Without warning, Ventress receives word from one of her informants, the Gossam Sumdim, and learns that Dooku is planning to visit Raxus, a planet in the Teon Hegemony, to receive a Humanitarian Award. As part of his final trial, Voss has to kill the Sleeper, a unique dark side-infused crustacean that inhabits a series of pools near the former Night Sister village. Despite a vicious internal struggle over killing an innocent creature, Voss manages to kill the sleeper and passes the trial, completing his dark side training. After Voss fails to meet up at their prearranged level 1313 bar, Kenobi meets with Yoda to discuss his fear that something has happened to Quinlan. Yoda assures Kenobi that Voss has undergone many undercover missions and knows to be cautious. He also states that it is sometimes necessary for one to tread a dark path in order to better appreciate the light side. Meanwhile, Ventress and Voss travel to Raxus, where they meet up with her informant Sumdim. Voss is horrified when Asajj kills Sumdim in order to prevent any secrets from leaking about their mission. The two hunters then make their way to a large public square where Count Dooku gives a rousing, patriotic speech to a large crowd of Separatists. The Count is accompanied by the Separatist military commander, General Grievous. After the speech, the two part company while attending a large public feast, 
Ventress takes the opportunity to sneak up on her estranged former master, who is mingling with the crowds. Unwilling to cause a public disturbance, she challenges Dooku to meet her on the Overlook for a fair fight later that night. Dooku agrees, and Ventress makes her escape. In secret, however, Dooku contacts General Grievous and instructs him to meet him on the Overlook with reinforcements. Before Grievous can join the Count, Quinlan attacks him and overpowers the General and his battle droids, locking them in a security room. At the Overlook, Ventress and Voss engage Dooku in a lightsaber duel. After Dooku manages to knock out Ventress by hurling her against a stone bench, Quinlan flies into a rage and attacks the Sith Lord, who taunts him, noticing his flirtation with the dark side. Following a fierce duel, Voss is defeated by Dooku, who incapacitates him with Force Lightning. Grievous arrives with droid reinforcements to apprehend the intruders, but Asajj manages to escape into the sewers. Without her help, Quinlan is taken prisoner by Dooku. Is this what the Jedi Order has come to? You're no match for the power of the dark side. I'm afraid you'll have to do better than that. You've not lived up to your potential. How sad. Part 3. Rescuing Quinlan Voss. In Separatist captivity, Quinlan Voss is transported to Sereno. There, he is locked in a cell and tortured by Count Dooku, who intends to complete Voss's fall to the dark side. After Voss continuously fails to report to the Jedi Temple, his colleagues become worried about his safety and fear that he has perished or strayed from the light side. Meanwhile, Asajj Ventress travels to Chalman's Cantina on Tatooine and pays for the aid of several bounty hunters, including Boba Fett, Bosk, Lats Razi, C-21 Heisinger, and Embo for a mission to rescue Quinlan. On Sereno, Dooku manages to turn Voss against Ventress by showing him a hologram, proving that she murdered his late master Thulm. Dooku's version of events is confirmed when the Count reveals he has Thulm's lightsaber, and Voss uses his psychometric abilities to relive the events it survived. Soon after, Asajj and her bounty hunters arrive on Sereno to rescue Quinlan Voss. As part of their plan, the bounty hunters stage a diversion by attacking a Separatist convoy. As they do, Ventress makes her way into Dooku's palace, where she encounters a maddened, vengeful Voss in his cell. Enraged at Asajj for lying about her role in his master's murder, Voss attacks the Night Sister with Thulm's lightsaber. Ventress tries to reason with her former lover by telling him not to let the dark side dominate him and reminding him about their mission to kill Dooku. However, Voss's rage dominates everything, and unable to rescue the fallen Jedi, Ventress is forced to retreat with her bounty hunter allies. As they leave, Asajj sees Voss walking with Dooku, showing that he has become the Sith Lord's newest apprentice. Distraught, Ventress travels back to Coruscant, where she informs Kenobi about Quinlan's fall to the dark side. For the next few months, Asajj takes on various bounty hunting jobs. Struggling to cope with the fact that her lie caused Voss's fall to Dooku, Ventress turns to drinking. Meanwhile, Voss, as Dooku's new right-hand man in the Separatist hierarchy, gains the nickname Admiral Enigma. Eventually, Asajj is contacted by Quinlan's Jedi comrade Desh, who was dispatched by Kenobi to bring her to a Jedi Council meeting to discuss the matter of rescuing Voss from the Separatists. 
The Jedi Council have obtained intelligence that Admiral Enigma was last sighted on a Providence-class dreadnought. In return for recovering Quinlan, the Jedi offered a pardon Asajj for her crimes against them and the Republic. The inclusion of Ventress was controversial among some of the Jedi, particularly Master Windu and Anakin Skywalker. However, Kenobi and Yoda stand up for her. Ventress agrees to the deal and takes part in the rescue mission. Following a fierce fight with Dooku and his battle droids, Ventress and the Jedi rescue team manage to find Voss in the ship's brig. With Kenobi and Ventress freeing an emaciated and half-naked Voss hanging from a set of shackles. While Obi-Wan and Anakin are relieved to rescue Voss, Asajj sees an overwhelming darkness and fury within Voss, and realizes that he has fully embraced the dark side. Ventress attempts to attack her former lover, but is stopped by Kenobi. After freeing Voss, Asajj and the Jedi escape the Separatist Dreadnought aboard the Banshee. After returning to the Jedi Temple, Ventress is formally pardoned of her crimes by Yoda. However, this news is bittersweet for Asajj, as none of the Jedi believe that Voss has fallen to the dark side. Voss attempts to reconcile with Ventress, but she rejects him. Later, Anakin discusses his suspicions about Ventress with his wife, Padme Amidala. Still unsure of the former Sith, he suggests that Ventress has seduced Voss to the dark side, and expresses skepticism that she was capable of showing love. Padme remarks that if they do love each other, their love may be what saves Quinlan. Anakin, all I want is your love. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. At what cost? You're a good person. Don't do this. I won't lose you the way I lost my mother. I am becoming more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of. Part 4. Enemy in the Ranks while the Jedi Council debate in private whether Voss has succumbed to the dark side, Quinlan and his Jedi comrades take part in a mission to steal medical supplies, weapons, foodstuffs, and ship repair parts from a hidden Separatist asteroid base. For this mission, Voss is accompanied by his friend Akar Deshu, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Anakin Skywalker, and Clone Commander Cody. During the mission, Voss explores the base and discovers that the Separatists have booby-trapped the asteroid with timed explosives. Voss, the Jedi, and Republic forces manage to escape, but most of the supplies are destroyed. Following the failed mission, Voss meets up with Asaz Ventress in a Coruscant bar, where he reaffirms his love for her, forgiving her for killing Master Thom. He promises to formalize his relationship with her after helping the Jedi end the Clone Wars. Later. Quinlan takes part in a mission with Kenobi, Skywalker, and Cody to destroy a previously unknown Separatist listening post. However, upon arriving, they discover that the station has already been abandoned. At the same time, Desh visits the site of the former Separatist asteroid base and discovers the bombs that destroyed the supplies were Republic explosives. Kenobi suspects someone is leaking information to the Separatists, and all clues point to Voss being the spy. Suspecting that these two incidents are connected, Yoda arranges for a private meeting with Voss and is able to sense that he has indeed fallen to the dark. Yoda discusses his findings with the Jedi Council, who hatch a plan to test Voss's allegiance by sending him on another mission to kill Count Dooku. Kenobi is instructed to watch over Voss and execute him if he has truly fallen to the dark side. 
After receiving his assignment, Voss informs Ventress about his new mission to kill Count Dooku. After a heated debate, Voss agrees to allow Ventress to accompany him. At the Jedi Council briefing, the Council agrees to let Ventress accompany Voss on his mission after she reveals that Dooku would be traveling to Christophsis on a Separatist dreadnought. Together, Voss and Ventress travel on the Banshee to Christophsis, where they discover Dooku's dreadnought among a Separatist fleet. Meanwhile, Anakin and Obi-Wan tell Voss from a captured Separatist shuttle and manage to infiltrate Dooku's dreadnought. After boarding the dreadnought with the help of reprogrammed battle droids, the two Jedi witness Quinlan engaging Dooku in a lightsaber duel. To their dismay, Voss does not kill the Count. Instead, he demands Dooku lead him to his mysterious master, Darth Sidious. Realizing that their suspicions about Quinlan's loyalties have been confirmed, Skywalker and Kenobi have little choice but to arrest Voss and the Count. After capturing the two Sith, Kenobi and Skywalker bring their prisoners to the Venator-class Star Destroyer Vigilance. Despite Commander Cody's best efforts to secure the prisoners, Voss tricks Desh into approaching him and steals his lightsaber. He then uses it to free himself and Dooku. During their escape, Quinlan kills his former friend Desh and the Chagrian Jedi Knight Cav Bayons. Voss and Dooku then escape with Ventress aboard the Banshee. Part 5. Showdown on Christophsis. Ventress attempts to land the Banshee on Dooku's dreadnought, but the Vigilance gives chase and succeeds in damaging the ship. As a result, Ventress is forced to crash land the Banshee on Christophsis. Kenobi, Skywalker, and several clone troopers probe the wreckage of the ship and realize that the fugitives have survived. Meanwhile, Ventress, Voss, and a wounded Dooku navigate through the crystal-covered landscape of Christophsis to reach a nearby Separatist base. Kenobi secretly contacts Ventress and informs her about Quinlan's fall. He also instructs her to convince Voss to surrender or they will be forced to kill him. When Ventress confronts Quinlan about this, he convinces her that he is close to completing his mission but refuses to tell her his plan. As the Jedi continue their chase, Mace Windu orders Kenobi and Skywalker to execute the fugitives. Ventress, Voss, and Dooku finally arrive at a Separatist base built into a giant crystal pillar. There, they receive word that Darth Sidious demands to talk with his apprentice. During their hologram conversation, Dooku asks his master to send a shuttle to Christophsis to rescue them. Sidious spots Voss, who fails to learn the Dark Lord's true identity. Shortly thereafter, the Separatist base is bombarded by Republic clone troopers and ARC-170 fighters, toppling it and destroying the base. Despite Windu's orders, Obi-Wan insists on capturing the trio. Despite Anakin's objections, the two Jedi venture into the Separatist base to find Voss and Dooku. During the Republic bombardment, Asajj is badly wounded by artillery fire and falling debris. Quinlan helps his wounded lover up as they attempt to follow Dooku to the nearby secondary base and complete Voss's mission. Meanwhile, Anakin and Obi-Wan order a ceasefire in order to sneak into the hardened secondary base to kill Dooku. Inside, 
Ventress confronts Quinlan about his fall to the dark side and alliance with the Count. After some hesitance, Voss confesses it is true. With their guards lowered, Dooku attacks Voss with force lightning. However, in a selfless act of sacrifice, Asajj shoves Voss away and takes the lethal force of Dooku's attack. Quinlan flies into a despair-fueled rage and defeats the Count. Dooku then attempts to goad Quinlan into killing him, but Voss, with supreme effort, refuses to give in to the dark side and reaffirms that he is a Jedi. While Voss reconciles with Ventress in her final moments, Dooku takes the opportunity to escape. You are no match for me without the aid of your monster. That remains to be seen. As you wish. Time to end this once and for all. Part 6. Denouement. Following the events on Christophsis, Quinlan Voss surrenders to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, who bring him back to Coruscant. There, in the presence of the Jedi Council, Voss confesses that he embraced the dark side and joined Count Dooku in order to use the Count to get to Darth Sidious and thus eliminate the two Sith Lords once and for all. He accepts responsibility for all the crimes and damage he had committed under Dooku's service, for killing his fellow Jedi, Desh and Bayons, as well as the clone troopers aboard the Vigilance. Quinlan also defends the late Asajj Ventress for bringing him back to the light and giving her life to save him from Dooku. During the hearing, Kenobi states that it was folly for the Jedi Council to have even considered assassinating Count Dooku, as assassination is a tool of the dark side. He also defends Ventress as a friend of the Jedi. Following the proceedings, and after a long period of rehabilitation, Voss is eventually pardoned for his crimes against the Jedi and the Republic. Obi-Wan also ac accompanies Quinlan to Dathomir to bury Asajj Ventress. Together, the two Jedi lay the Sister to rest in a dark pool near the abandoned Sister's village, as Ventress's body enters the water, the pool turns green, and she is reunited with her deceased family. That concludes our synopsis of Dark Disciple. Dan, let's start with you. Sure. Um, this was one of my favorite novels, and still is. It's surprising how it still gets me today, even though I know it's coming. Uh, Asajj's death and, and everything that happens in this book, but it still wrenches at those heartstrings a little bit. Makes me tear up. Um, I remember listening to this for the first time, and I couldn't believe that they like she was she was dead. She was dying at the end of this book, and mm -hmm. uh, I think the first time I listened to this with Mark Thompson reading it, which was the first time I actually got through the book, I actually I, I think I did have a little bit of tears running down the face. Definitely. Uh -huh. <laughs> not not even joking. I I really did enjoy this book. Um, mm. And for a book to be able to evoke that, not only the book, but the, the narration and the sounds and everything that uh, Penguin Random House Audio can do with Mark Thompson, it's a, a testament to how good Star Wars can be. Um, mm -hmm. The couple things that I had as thoughts, before we get into Dark Disciple, I just wanted to say a, a few things about the prequel. Um, it's written by the same person. Um, I read it, um, it's a pretty quick read. Um, but the thing I found very confusing about it is 
Lassa Raimi or Lassa Raim, whatever you say, um, mm-hmm. in the prequel, she she is trying to be undercover, and she's trying to work against herself without them knowing that she is herself. And it's as confusing as I just explained it when you're reading mm-hmm. it. So it, it it just it took me out of it a little bit because I'm like, wait a minute she's here that's this all right okay i think i got it now and i had to read it like once or twice to get it down but it was nice to have that little bit of exposition for this book now because reading dark disciple they do uh work with lost rain a little bit for some of their their missions that they go on for bounty hunts which is cool um this whole dark disciple uh uh book was supposed to be clone wars tv series based on the story that I think it's Katie Lucas, um, George Lucas's daughter, uh, actually wrote. And at the end of the audiobook mm-hmm. and at the end of the novel, there's a little note from Katie Lucas talking about Asajj Ventress and the story that she wrote, which is this book, um, like the, the basis of this book. Um, and it, I really think that uh, Katie Lucas had her heart in this for sure from what she wrote down. I'll, I'll give Ed a few points here and then it will come back to me. All right. I see if, uh, if if I can cut in as well just for a second. Sure. Yeah, go for um, it. Because I just wanted to say, like, when, when I laughed when Dan was talking about uh, Asajj Ventress's uh, death, that was not for that reason, actually. That was because that was the one thing that was spoiled for me when I went into this oh, book. Oh, no. Oh, no. Was, I'm sorry, yeah, man. I, I, yeah, well, it was just, it was something that I, like, years and years ago, I remember seeing, like, when Dark Disciple came out, I remember looking at it and being like, I like Quinlan Voss a lot, and I loved his arc in in the expanded comics. And I was like, why would I want to read this? So I looked it up on Wikipedia oh, just to be like, I was like, idea. yeah, give me a, a a short synopsis. Yeah, and like the opening paragraph says like, and Asajj Ventress dies. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be careful with uh, looking stuff up online for sure. Yeah, but at that point, I also hadn't like I'd only seen Ventress in the comics, and the. 2000 and I think 2002 or four the yeah the cartoon show um in like the samurai jack style so I didn't really care about her that much so I was like oh okay and then when I went into this now having seen the 3d clone wars and everything else I was like oh no Mm -hmm. (laughs) when's it when's it gonna happen was it impactful for you you still or yeah I didn't really see it coming okay Uh, yeah like I kept waiting to happen like at different points but yeah anyways on to you yeah, man. I found, for the most part, I really like this book, um, especially because of how it dealt with the dark side and talked about it for the most part, mm. and the way that how it differs from the Night Sister magic to some extent. But um, something that really gets me every time, and this just irritates me about the Jedi, I think a little bit, but is how they try to bring it full circle into assassination is bad and it's evil. So it's only the bad guys can do it. And it's like, you're at war. If you could assassinate somebody and end this thing, do it. And that's exactly what they were talking about at the beginning, right? Like that's why they went with it. They're like, yes, it's an evil thing, but it's for a good cause and it would save a lot of lives. And that, yeah. And then that's the kind of folly they have to deal with. Exactly, and it's like, okay, well, this happens. Like, yeah, that's the kind of thing you have to deal with because you're Force users. Can we say this book and is it... the tragedy of Admiral Enigma? <laughs> hey, don't even bring that name up to me because I couldn't take it seriously. Like, this whole book up to this point 
had been like, oh, I'm at the edge of my seat. I'm at the edge of my seat. Then they bring up the name and it's, and it's his new Admiral Enigma. And it's like, really? Yeah. No, really? dude, it's Admiral Enigma and his second in command, Captain Riddle. Yeah. So, <laughs> Lute- Lieutenant point, Puzzle, the whole gang's there. Where's Waldo guidebook they're following? Where's yeah, exactly. Where's Count Sudoku? Count Sudoku. <laughs> That's good. There Sudoku. you go. There you go. From now on, you are Darth Trigonometry. <laughs> no, what have I done? You know who would really appreciate these math jokes? Oh no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Real quick, what's the what's her name again? What's no, her race? Uh, I'm trying to think of her race name from the last book. Gibbon from Gibbon, that's uh, right. Heir to the Jedi. I was thinking Fauline. Um, I can't remember her name. Yeah. Anyway. It starts with a letter. <laughs> In the that English alphabet. That is how alphabet. they start. Yes. <laughs> okay. But yeah, the just the name. I, I was not a fan. And it mm-hmm. threw me off for a long part of it. And made It made me feel like it was a joke. And I didn't want to feel that way. That's for fair. That, but for especially that part. To be completely fair, this is the Admiral Enigma. I, um, Noma was telling me about... He's like, yeah, the, I'm at the part with the Admiral Enigma. I'm like, who? That's the one thing about this book <laughs> that I did not remember. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it's Quinlan when he goes to the dark side. I'm like, oh, yeah, that yeah. happens. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I get why they used it, like Admiral Mystery. He's like they don't know who he is. They're trying to yeah. wave it in his in yeah. their face because, like, oh, you guys don't know, but they know who it is. Yeah, exactly. The people who count know, but like I, I heard when I first heard that line, I actually like gave like a bark of laughter out loud on, <laughs> oh, okay, on the street. Okay, so I'm not the only one. Yeah, I'm so sad like, right now. Se- seriously, I wish I I <laughs> wish we didn't have to do the episode image as the book in the comic book cover because I would be taking the count from Sesame Street and putting Dooku's face on it. Hey, there's no there's no rule saying you can't. There's that's true. Maybe I'll make an alternate image. Yeah, or just put put him in the corner. That's true. That's true. I could do that. Mm-hmm. I decided. Who's that guy? Oh, he's an enigma. Von <laughs> Oh God. What else you got, Ed? Uh, dealing with the underworld and how they go about it. So not so much underworld, but more so just fellow workers in the Bounty mm-hmm. Hunters Guild for the most part. Boba Fett. Seeing how, like, yeah, we'll take a job with you. This job went sideways. I'm outsies. Do, do you guys hey, remember the I negotiations need... for how much they paid? How much she paid them to help uh, rescue Boba? Or, um... Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it, 25000 or something? No, no, no. 200, 200... It was uh, initially 100000 yeah, and then he's like, "No, it's got to be more." And she said, or he said, um, she said two hundred thousand, and he says, "No deal." And then she goes up again to two hundred fifty thousand, and his jaw hits the yeah. his his jaw hits the floor. Yeah, and Bosk and, and uh, they're like, "We got it. We're taking it." Stop. Yeah. Okay, Boba, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot I can of, imagine a lot of them like animating thousand that. credits. Yeah. And I do love that because, like, the, the tone I got from uh, the way it was being narrated was, like, they both cut in because they're like, if we push any farther, she's going to say no. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I want this yeah. money now. And I'm glad that Ventress understands that this crew of bounty hunters is actually, like, they can, they're competent and they can get the work done. Mm-hmm. And it goes into how much she wounded Boba Fett's pride during the Umbaran uh, mission. Mm-hmm. Where she puts mm-hmm. him in a box and takes the money and gives everybody their money. But, yeah. Sorry. I mean, it. I, I'll always take any opportunity to see my favorite bounty hunter from the Clone Wars TV series show up again. Who's that? Embo. Oh, that, that's Embo. Yeah, yeah. he's my favorite, I love too. Embo. He's great. He's so cool. 
He's the only person who, during a fight in Clone Wars, um, is successful. Is is actually successful, and I was actually scared was gonna die when he's fighting um, Anakin on Skypeo. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that fight too. I forgot about that. Yeah, where I'm just shield to the head though, no. Or the yeah. chest or something? Yeah, he gets hit with a shield, and then Embo is going down the, the glacier, chasing them in the speeder, and I'm yes. like, oh, God, Embo better not die. Exactly, yeah, I forgot about that. That was a good <laughs> scene. Yeah, and just, just showing, like, this is what a, a bounty hunter looks like. Anytime it shows, like, this is a bounty hunter who can go toe-to-toe with a Jedi, mm-hmm. which is something Cad Bane couldn't... Well, Cad Bane had to fight two Jedi, but still, right? Like, yeah, Cad was, Bane couldn't do that. Yeah, and Cad Bane's a really good bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Being badass. All right, add oh, yeah. one more point, and then I'll uh, jump in for a second. Yeah, and, and then Dathomir itself, in terms Ooh, of like, God. okay, where are we going to train to actually make you a dark side user, if not a Sith at this point? It's like, huh, well, the place where the biggest dark side battle took place. Well, this is, yeah, this is after the whole My Sisters are gone. So the mm-hmm. whole battle took place there. And the place is steeped in it, right? From like a snake biting you. Usually you never want that to happen. And then, yeah, that was a really, like, right? tremor-inducing scene, man. Like, <laughs> you're actually getting scared from. It's like, oh no! Like, I know there's so many pages left, but his body's what? on like his blood. He feels like his blood is boiling, and he's just like in so much pain. It just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's like, is it even a mm-hmm. snake, or was it the dark side that came out to bite you? You don't know because it's Dathomir, and the mm-hmm. whole planet's trying to kill you, basically. Yeah, the the part that really got me is when he's he's trying to kill the sleeper yeah oh and he's having that internal conflict and in my head i'm just like do it yeah <laughs> do it it's like asajj do i really have to kill it it's yeah. just do a creature it. it could be the last of its kind and noma's saying do it <laughs> your training is now complete <laughs> are yeah, you in stuff. the chair are you standing cripple like <laughs> uh, I'm probably right behind him. <laughs> oh my god! Whispering into his ear. <laughs> treason. It's treason then. <laughs> this, that see that line right there is what I picture when you you never see in print like and those honeyed words he had over it or mm. something like that. Just, oh yeah. <laughs> so it's treason. I'm excited then. to hear Mark Thompson say those words in the book. Um, oh, you know he's gonna have to say it somehow. Anything else for the dark side that you guys want to talk about? Is that pretty much? Yeah, that's that's about it. it. Was it was really interesting to see like full fully fallen Voss like that was yeah. that was kind of cool. I still question that though. Was he fully fallen? Yeah, I question it too. Like if you're fully fallen at that point, you don't give a, a nothing about the people like Asajj coming back. You like he has to. Okay, bye. Now you're not a mm-hmm. problem I have to worry about. And then, yeah, just following Dooku till he probably gets his chance to kill him. The one and thing then... that really got me was when they were escaping and Obi-Wan and Anakin were bombarding the place and they all got injured. Like mm-hmm. Ventress and all them. Dooku mm-hmm. was knocked unconscious and they could have just... Yeah, they could have just... That is your mission right there. Yeah. Done him. The, the way that I, I saw that is uh, based on... <clears throat> Ow, that was a weird noise. Anyways, um, it was based on something that's been really nailed into my into my brain basically by the other sci-fi that i love which is uh warhammer um because there's an entire thing in warhammer 40k where basically like the gods of evil actually exist there's these four chaos gods and they're they love to just try to corrupt and get their hands into mortals and turn them into their own servants 
And so there's a there's a reoccurring theme with 40k where you get someone who is on the path of uh, there's not really a good guy in 40k, but like the good guy side, the humanity side, and they end up fighting chaos for so long that they're like, oh, what if we start using it to to what if we use chaos to fight chaos, and then we're strengthening ourselves while weakening them. And then the tale that usually comes is that they actually are seduced by chaos and they're destroyed. Mm-hmm. And the point, yeah, the, the that's kind of how I, immediately what I saw with with Voss, where it's like he starts off fully corrupted, and then he kind of the dark side yeah. tricks him tricks him into thinking he's still good, where he's like, oh no, like I can use the dark side, but I know what I'm doing. And then from there, he just makes all these decisions that seem like he's good, but he's not. In reality, yeah, the dark side is just twisting him to do what it wants so exactly. that, that's how i kind of viewed that whole thing yeah cool. yeah and especially in scenes like like what you guys just said where it's like they've got dooku at their mercy they could just kill him but the little voices whispering like no 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 he's dark side too just make up some sort of make up some sort of mental justification in your head to keep him alive for now oh yeah we have to kill the other one clearly this is for the greater good right mm-hmm. yeah i thought that was kind of interesting Another few things from me, last few things. Um, the relationship between Asajj and Voss, I really enjoyed. Um, it's a unlikely pairing that I never really thought I would like or never even think of pairing them together. Um, but they make a pretty good team combat-wise and like as a couple, I would say. like It, it just kind of fits, right? Don't you guys mm-hmm. think so? Like He's kind of like the bad boy Jedi and she's like the the wayward sith right like it just makes sense mm. um anakin and padme the scene that they have when they're talking about voss and how he's fallen and he wasn't uh anakin wasn't sure that ventress could actually love somebody she was capable of that and padme makes a comment of maybe like she is the way he comes back from the dark side um which is definitely a foreshadow to the end of this novel um uh, but also the I, I i thought it was a pretty cool foreshadow for Padme and Anakin's relationship because Anakin comes back from the dark side as from Darth Vader um, when Luke, who is Padme and Anakin's son, um, is <laughs> for all the two people who for, didn't know for, that for, like, <laughs> that comes that comes back into Vader's life and uh, part of Padme is what helped Anakin come back Fam- familial love right um, mm-hmm. so I thought that was a really cool foreshadow not just for this book and those specific characters but also for Anakin and Padme the characters that are talking about this scenario right now no, mm-hmm. not knowing that obviously this is what happens later um, to yeah. Go, last... going with what you were oh sorry go ahead um, Go ahead. Yeah, going with what you, you were saying with like their relationship um, I thought it was really really interesting it, it's kind of like an angle that I hadn't really ever expected to see um, because I'm kind of like really rooted in a lot of the expanded universe, I was always like, oh, I, I, I always kind of enjoyed the whole like Ventress and Obi Wan. Will they? Won't they? Like they obviously won't. But which like they that, talk that... about in this book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like the the, the, the weird flirting. Yeah, right. For for all that kind of stuff, and in in the expanded universe, it was even more like to the point where it's at certain like there's certain points in the comics where Obi Wan's trying to like redeem her through this like you're not quite sure if it's love or just like genuinely trying to redeem a sith Mm -hmm. and then also i'm biased because voss in expanded was one of my favorite jedi so i also kind of like him and kaleen better and that's the girl Uh, in the comics that he's with yeah yeah there's there's a whole other like 
there's a whole thing where I'll, I'll get in. There was a whole point I wanted to make, so I'll, I'll bring it up later. But yeah, I like their relationship a little more, but it was a more standard kind of by the books kind of cliched relationship. So, okay. I mean, they, they both have their upsides. Yeah. Nice. Um, the last two things uh, are about the force abilities that Voss and Yoda have. So Voss, his force mm. ability was uh, called psychometry. And basically, if he touched an object, he could uh, experience the history of the object. He had no control over it, really. It was just what the Force would show him. And sometimes, he could actually feel what the user of that item felt during the usage of that item. So, like, his master, he felt his master dying in the betrayal he felt and all this stuff. Which is why Voss fell so hard to the dark side, I think. Mm-hmm. that that that's There's a point where Dooku's like... I told you, like, I'm telling you the truth, but you know what? You don't believe me, so this is what we're going to be doing. I'm going to give you your master's lightsaber, and I'm not going to force you to look at it, because I know I can't force psychometry on you, but you'll want to do it. And then mm-hmm. he does in his cell. That and literally just, is forcing him to do it. Right, mm-hmm. and he, he just takes it so hard, right? Uh, and that's, I, I get it. I get it, Ed. Forcing. Right? <laughs> um, forcing him to do it. <laughs> Uh, and the last one is Yoda's Force ability, which is something that was never really said or mentioned. Mm-hmm. But Yoda mentions it and says specifically that he can see, whereas Voss's ability, he can see the history of an object. Yoda, his Force ability is he can see the history of a soul. Do you know? Do you know what the first thing I thought of when he said that was? What was that? How understand people? No, it was how tragic is it that Yoda never touched Palpatine? Right. <laughs> that's actually amazing yeah because you would be like holy yeah. crap i can understand this yeah he would have touched him once and been like oh my god like what the <laughs> f- <laughs> hey guys emergency jedi meeting we know who the sith lord is and then they go in and then they all die and makes me gets his hand chopped off oh wait that happened <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right um and that's that's pretty much everything that i wanted to talk about here uh in my section is there anything else that you got uh ed yeah actually I mean, we saw it in the show for a bit, but um, I think you really saw the relationship between Ventress and Dooku other than just throwing or trying to hit each other with lightsabers in terms of the mental stuff that goes on between them and the mm-hmm. whole work that goes on behind it. Like, <laughs> you know, like when they're at the actual celebration or whatever the separatist nonsense is they're trying to pull, and he knows they're there. She's talking to him, like restraining herself, doing all that, and it's just a word battle. And you see, like, she comes out of it not with just with that sort of, ha, huh, yeah, I win. But, like, I win because I don't want to be a part of your whatever it is anymore kind of feel. And especially it just gave me mirrors of this, like, you know, it's going off with, like, DC, with the Joker and Harley Quinn kind of thing. Like, they weren't that to their crazy degree. But in the terms of, like, owning somebody. It kind of reflected their relationship. Exactly. There was a really good point to uh, when Asajj is at the party and mm. uh, Dooku's just doing his thing and she sees him and then she lets her presence out in the force yep. and then you, she sees him and notices it and she like revels in that for a minute and then she's right behind him. Because she's freaking him out. Exactly. And she, mm-hmm. she really like enjoyed that part of the, of the dark side and the force um, where she had control over that. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so the the only other... Uh, Ed, was there anything else that you... Any uh, other points that you had? 
I'm pretty much good with that. Oh, well, yeah, just the, on the assassination thing, because Kinlan, well, I don't know if this is more Legends or stuff, but mm-hmm. I remember him being like, he was supposed to be like that back, that, like that uh, shadow, sort of like a Jedi shadow, sort of, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the underhanded stuff, all the underworld sort of things. So it's just like, if there's anybody besides Windu who's already been flirting with the dark side, it's, I think actually in Legends, he was like, on that sort of off on with the dark side kind of thing mm-hmm. but because of his role right so yeah yeah and that actually that ties into the the point that i was really impressed with um which was i've got a lot of respect for like it's it's i'm not too sure i i assume it was like some sort of collaboration but with um dan what was it uh, kathleen okay uh, lucas Katie Lucas, yeah. Katie Lucas is like, she had the the rough idea of the story mm. written out for the episodes, and then the author of this book, yeah, um, Christy, Golden. Christy Golden, she kind of fleshed it out. Yeah, so I assume it was some, some sort of collaboration between the two, but it really impresses me when someone is taking a lot of stuff from the expanded universe or the old, you know, legacy universe and putting that in to the new universe and kind of making that canon because ed's right like i read the entire voss comic series because i love that series and one of the big things that they kind of establish in that is that quinlan is a rogue he like doesn't follow the jedi council's orders that well but he's a really really good undercover agent Mm -hmm. to the point where uh he's actually got his own spy ring that goes around and gives him and the, the council information that helps them against the separatists. Sounds That's like how C-3PO he meets in the force awakens. Sorry. Go ahead. Pretty much. Oh yeah. With that whole droid resistance <laughs> network. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just more of L3 stuff. And let's not go there right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's a whole thing with like, basically he like Quinlan was so good at spying and doing all these things where he, there's a, the whole story is about him infiltrating a separatist network. He meets this girl ends up falling for her and then she becomes his spy and they do this whole long kind of underground war slash like actual war against this separatist dark side he wasn't really a sith but he was like a sith apprentice named sora burke Wolk. i can't remember his last name Mm. and this whole thing where there's this separatist faction that's trying to make a clone army of nictos and the other cool Why thing about specifically that, Nikto's? <laughs> it was, it was force, something uh, they had some kind of force resistance or something. Like oh, that. I yeah. see. Okay. And actually, Nikto wanna... or Morgakai warriors or something. Yeah, yeah. The Nick, yeah, the Nikto Morgakai. That was it. And uh, the other, and yeah, that was a whole really cool thing. So they're they're having that kind of like clone versus clone war going on. But that, as far as I know, that's also the comic where they introduce uh Voss's master who is Jedi Master Thulm. So that was brought over directly from that. And it all kind of like ties in really nicely. There's a whole thing too that was really kind of weird where kind of weird kind of interesting because uh instead of Desh, Voss's closest friend in the Jedi Order is actually uh Ayla Sakura. So the the Twi'lek uh, Jedi Master who dies in Episode Three, Steer gets shot on Felucia. Oh, nice! Uh, yeah, so they have this whole thing where like it's weird because they seem like friends, and then half the time like the poses look like they're about to start making out. So I was always like, are they friends? What's happening here? Um, when you said uh, like a 
army of Nikto's. All I could picture mm. in my head is Niku from Resistance. Just the army of him. <laughs> slightly more intimidating. And by slightly, I mean <laughs> into actually intimidating. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then the, the other thing that they referenced a lot, which I loved, even though it made me angry, was how many times they reference level 1313. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the times you they go down there. mad every time. Yeah, every time it you was like just the video like game. a dagger twist in the heart. The video game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one last thing I want to talk about, something I didn't enjoy, was the amount of times they tried to assassinate Dooku. <laughs> I did not remember it being three times, but it is three times. And third time is not the charm. Yeah, no, definitely but, not. Uh, third, third time they barely even try. Yeah, it was just it just it took me. It, I was like, we're doing this again and again and again and mm. again. And it, this is the only time after I've read it. This is like the fifth time I've read through it. Um, it was this time that I was just for some reason put off by that that uh, story element. But apart from that, I I really enjoyed this book. Mm. Um, what would you guys? Are you guys done with uh, thoughts, or do you want to? Anything else? Yeah, I think I'm good. I'm good. What would you give it out of 10? Hmm. Well, since I'm the host, I'm going to say, Ed, you go first. Ah. <laughs> this one, uh, I'd give Dark Disciple, honestly, 8, 8.5, 9. Yeah, That's a yeah, big range. You got you to narrow it down. 8.5 right? and 9. Somewhere, somewhere in there. 8.75. Okay. Yeah, because it's, like, it's, it's a book I always want to go back to. Yeah, but definitely. I can't get over some of those little things. That just sort of like, and the thirteen thirteen. You're absolutely right. Like every time I read that, it's just like, yep, I would, <laughs> I wish I could have gone there too. There's That's a lot fine. of there's a lot of bit the of everything for been. everybody. Like underworld, dark side, light side, um, kind of behind the scenes stuff on death. Like it just got everything. Mm. You know. Mm. So yeah, I I think that's a good uh, good rating there for you. Dan, what about you? Uh, solid 8.5. Definitely, it's uh, so far out of the books that we've read, it is my highest rated. Um, I really love Dark Disciple. And like I said, this is the fifth time reading through it. And it is still a book that I get emotionally attached to when I'm reading through it and listening through it with Mark Thompson reading it. Um, it's just, it's a solid book. And unlike some other books that we've read in the past, this is a book that if you don't read it, you will never know the end of Asajj Ventures' story mm-hmm. um, or like what Quinlan Voss went through. Um, so this story and the force, the things that go in it, there's, you know, Boba Fett's mentioned in here, Dooku's mentioned in here. So there's a lot of things that kind of go on in the background that really do make a difference um, in the story elements and the force specifically. Um, yeah. 8.5. Nice. Very solid score. So I guess I'm on the, I have the lowest score for it, but not by much. Because for me, it's a solid eight. Like Dan and Ed said, it's a really solid book. It's really good. It, The amount of stuff that it kind of goes into and kind of shows is really, really impressive. I especially love some of the stuff. I actually don't think we, we talked about it too much. The whole fact that the Night Sisters are using the dark side but not in the same way as the Sith. I thought that was really cool and really important to be like, oh, look, there are different dark side traditions. Not all of them have you go into a crazy murder man. There's shades of gray within the light and the dark. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. That would be an awesome way to show kind of a gray balance in this new canon where it's like, yeah, you, if you're not Jedi or Sith, they'll consider you some sort of outcast, but you could just be on the spectrum. Yep. But at the same time, 
my, the only reason it's not higher than an eight for me is like I've said a couple of times, I love Quinlan's story in the expanded universe. And I still prefer that one a little bit more to this one, even though this one is, it kind of changes things up more. It's a little more risky. The other bright side to this book over the old Quinlan story is that as far as I know in the current canon, Quinlan didn't die in Order 66. It's never been confirmed. Yeah, it hasn't actually. It, you're right. Yeah, it is 100% confirmed in the expanded universe. He dies on Kashyyyk uh, during Order 66. There you go. Yeah, but uh, I actually just also realized during that whole conversation, I didn't really give many good points why I like the expanded universe Not more. Not at all. Yeah, but I, I, like, I don't know. There's something about the expanded universe where... I liked how much more action-packed it was. It's constant battle. There's all this kind of active spy stuff going on where Quinlan's trying to get close, pretend to be a dark side user to get close to Sora, but at the same time, Sora kind of thinks that he's onto him, or kind of thinks that Voss isn't what he seems to be. So they're doing this kind of death note, like trying to figure out which one, which one's which. There's a lot of really interesting things they show for once what a Jedi who doesn't look, who shouldn't be able to fight with a lightsaber, what they can do instead, because I think I think that they have the Jedi Opal Rancis as the commander of the Force during that, that comic arc. Let me just make sure I'm not messing that up. Yeah, uh, Opal, Opal Rancisis. And they have a whole thing where he, like he's there, he can't, he's this weird, like, half-snake, half-person, so he doesn't really fight well, but he's got awesome... Uh, battle meditation techniques that really help the Republic out, so that's why he's the general. There's just there, there's equally where where Dark Disciple goes into the Force and a couple of underworld things and expands on those. The comics really went into the Clone Wars itself and how certain Jedi fight together and the bonds they have that are closer than friendship but not breaking any rules. Like that was always really cool to me, and I'm sure there's nostalgia coming in as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, dark, I'll never say like, oh, Dark Disciples garbage compared to the comics. Like, no, it's it's really, really good. They're both really, really good. It's just probably from my nostalgia and a couple little things I like more from the comics is why it's an eight instead of nine or eight point seven. Eight's still <laughs> a good score, man. Oh yeah. From here, we are going into our comic of the month, and this month we are covering. Star Wars Lando, which is written by Charles Sewell, penciled by Alex Maleev, and the cover art is by Lainel Francis Yu. So I'm just going to reiterate one more time that the synopsis that we're about to run through is chock full of spoilers. We're going to tell you everything that happens through the, you know, all five or six issues of the comic, and also that... If you want to see more of the, these comics, want to see more of, of Marvel's you know, take on Star Wars, and want to help support more releases, it's definitely good to go out and grab this. The Lando comic is very, very interesting. It's got a lot of really cool things in it. And one thing in particular that, even though I haven't read it yet, I know ties into a comic series that I am super into and really want to keep reading. Yes, it does. Oh, yeah, which is a lot of foreshadowing. Also, because of how far back it was and the fact that the thing I'm talking about only came out recently, that's some really, really impressive foreshadowing. And the nice thing is, it's written by the same guy, Charles Soule. Oh, that makes a lot of sense, then. Yeah, so he brought the character in and then introduces him again later, so there you go. Nice. 
So we'll we'll either hint at or just straight up say that when we get to the discussion. And the cover for this comic is very it's very Lando. It's got a very smuggler's feel to it. It's Lando kind of reclining uh, back on a chair, his feet up on the table, blaster in front of him, and there is an ominous shadow of someone holding a gun behind him. I gotta say, the very... color scheme is also smuggler. Like, it's got that, like, oh, yeah. Lando feel to it, D- you know? Yeah, a lot of dark blues and bright oranges, so it's a very kind of action-y, kind of suspenseful tone to it. But for now... Let's begin Lando. Issue 1 It is a period of scarce opportunity. In a galaxy overrun by an oppressive and evil galactic empire, there is little hope for a future free from the Emperor's iron rule. But with the Imperials distracted by a growing alliance of rebels, smugglers and pirates travel the galaxy for fortunes found only by those daring enough to grasp them. Lando Calrissian, a man trying to make his way through an uncaring universe, is willing to bet all he has for a single score. And it begins with the deal of a lifetime. Issue number one. On the Imperial colony world of Castel in the Inner Rim, Lando Calrissian meets with Moff Cesaria, the local Imperial governor, at her luxurious penthouse. Calrissian and Cesaria have a romantic relationship. When Cesaria asks Calrissian about his interest in one of her trinkets, he admits that he was planning to steal it. Calrissian wanted to sell the trinket in order to pay off his debts. When Cesaria threatens him with her blaster, Calrissian continues on about how he couldn't steal it, knowing Cesaria would have troopers searching for him and that word of her lover's betrayal would get out. Appealing to her feelings for him, Calrissian convinces her to let him leave with the trinket by betting his life on it. Calrissian recounts his encounter with Cesaria to a shocked Lobot, who expresses concern about the risks he takes. When Lobot suggests stealing it would have been easier, Calrissian responds that he did not want to have Cesaria pursuing them. By convincing her to give him the trinket, he reasons that she thinks that she helped her lover and will remember this whenever she wants to pretend she is a person instead of a monster. Calrissian takes the trinket to the crime lord Papa Torin, who is serviced by several elves. However, Torin merely strikes 10% off Calrissian's debt. When Calrissian protests, the elf tells him that the deal was simply to give him extra time to settle his debts. In the end... Calrissian agrees to take another job for Torin in order to wipe out the remainder of his debt. Calrissian breaks the news to Lobot. After some discussion, the two decide to take Torin's job and enlist the help of Alexin and Pavel, two enigmatic alien warriors who are brothers or clones. Calrissian and Lobot also enlist the help of Corin Purs, a former Ugnat Sava from the University of Barleth who has fallen on hard times. Sava is reluctant to take on Calrissian's job since she lost her left eye during a previous mission with him. However, she changes her mind when Calrissian reveals that they are planning to steal a pleasure yacht belonging to some rich Imperial. Papa Torin had learned about the yacht through his network at Sinar Fleet Systems Orbital Shipyard CC24 above Castell. 
Calrissian and his team infiltrate the orbital shipyard and steal the vessel after fighting off the stormtrooper sentries. Lando and Lobot fly away from the shipyard. Lando tells Lobot he will make the hyperdrive work once they have escaped the gravity wells. The ship's commander, Pascal, informs Grand Vizier Moss Ameda about the loss of the ship. While Lando and Lobot ask who owned the yacht and discuss their next plan, Grand Vizier Ameda informs Emperor Palpatine of some unfortunate news. Issue number two. After stealing Emperor Palpatine's luxury yacht, the Imperialis, Lando Calrissian and Lobot intend to take the ship into hyperspace once they have exited the planet Kestel's gravity well. However, their escape path is blocked by three Imperial-class Star Destroyers. The Imperial ships are commanded by Commodore Idol, Captain Shan, and Captain Conroe, and are given orders to recover the Imperialis. Before proceeding with their mission, Idol orders the Star Destroyer to destroy Orbital Shipyard CC-24 to punish the shipyard for failing to respect the Emperor's property. Commodore Idol deploys several gravity mines to warp the local space so that they can't jump into hyperspace. However, the Imperialis' automated defense systems destroy the mines. While Lando powers up the ship, Idol promises a million credits to whoever brings him the Imperialis. When Corrin Purrs demands that Lando tell him and Alexin and Pavel what he has gotten them into, Calrissian reassures that the Star Destroyers are not destroying them because the ship carries something valuable. Two of the Star Destroyers trap the Imperialis in their tractor beams. However, Calrissian undertakes a risky maneuver. He draws the tractor beam of one of the Star Destroyers towards the second ship, causing both destroyers to collide. Calrissian and his companions then fly into deep space. Meanwhile, on the in inner rim world of Amethia Prime, the bounty hunter Chanith Cha pursues the alien crime lord Big String, who flees on his aquatic yacht into the ocean. After blowing up his seaside palace, Chanith pursues them and disables his yacht, leaving it dead on the ocean. After fighting his men, Chanath kidnaps the crime lord and takes off with their jetpack. After receiving a hologram transmission from the Emperor, Chanath drops their quarry into the ocean. Palpatine tasks Chanath with recovering his lost ship and provides them with the only vessel capable of locating his stolen yacht. If they are not able to recover it, he asks Chanath to destroy the Imperialis. Meanwhile, a shamed Commodore Idol shoots himself in the head for his failure. Above the Imperialis, Lobot praises Lando for his maneuver, which the smuggler boasts of having done it a thousand times. Calrissian and Savakoran pairs decide to take all the treasure the Imperialis has, but give the ship to Papa Torin. When Lando asks what they actually stole, Purs replies that the ship is covered from top to bottom with treasure. Lando and his companions find the ship's hallway decorated with art and luxurious artifacts, including a Gungan fertility totem. Purs speculates that the ship is a custom job from Wraith Sinar himself. Lobot uses his interface unit to access the ship's central chambers, only to be stabbed by an Emperor's royal guard. Hello, what have we here? Issue number three. Suffering shock from being impaled, Lobot starts to mumble as his implants take over his mind. 
While Lando Carissian and the Ugnop Corin Purs take the wounded Lobot to the medical bay, the twins Alexin and Pavel engage in a melee fight with the two Emperor's royal guards, guarding the Imperialis' central chamber. At Imperial Facility 729D in the Inner Rim, the bounty hunter Chanath Cha boards the modified Star Courier Scimitar. Chanath is given a tour of the ship by the droid 066. At gunpoint, Chanath forces 066 to provide them with information about the ship's systems. While Lobot recuperates inside a Bacta tank, Corrin tells Lando that they had encountered the Emperor's Royal Guards, his elite bodyguards. Based on the presence of the two guards and the opulent treasures aboard, Corrin deduces that they have stolen the Emperor's luxury yacht. She tells him that he has killed them all, but Calrissian doesn't want to talk about it. While the twins fight, Chanath departs aboard the Scimitar with the head of 066. Despite being decapitated, 066 continues to chat with Chanath and reassures them that the Scimitar is able to follow a ship's trail through hyperspace, something considered impossible. After homing in on the signature of the Imperialis, Chanath takes the Scimitar into hyperspace. Before heading back to the central chamber, Lando and Corrin steal some blasters from the ship's armory. Fortunately for them, they find that the twins have defeated both Imperial Guards. Corrin removes the helmets from the guards and discovers that they have both been corrupted by the dark side. After entering the vault, they find that the chamber was holding a Sith helmet. Corrin explains that the Jedi and Sith were rivals. Lando thinks that the Sith helmet will be worth a lot on the black market and fancies that it will be compensation for Corrin's left eye. He asks if they are all set for life. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? No. Good. It would be unfortunate if I had to leave a garrison here. This deal is getting worse all the time. Issue number four. In deep space, Chanath Cha's scimitar closes in on the Emperor's stolen yacht Imperialis. Chanath uses powered boots to fly towards the Imperialis and gets 066 to transmit the access codes. When Chanath asks what the Emperor has aboard the yacht, 066 replies that they were chosen for this mission precisely because they were skilled at dealing with the unexpected. Chanath agrees and proceeds deeper into the ship. Back in the central chamber, Lando Calrissian asks Corrin Purs how much the Sith helmet is worth. Corrin replies that the helmet belonged to the ancient Sith sculptor Lord Momin, whose works were believed to be lost. Corrin thinks that the helmet will fetch them a lot of credits, and Lando jokes about buying a moon or two. Suddenly, Alexin ignites a double-bladed lightsaber and slices off Pavel's lower right arm. Lando and Corrin flee out of the vault and close the doors. Corrin thinks that the heavy alloy doors will hold them back long enough. When Lando expresses shock that Alexin betrayed them, Corrin explains that he must have been corrupted by the Sith artifacts and points to the deformed faces of the slain Emperor's royal guards. Lando compliments Corrin for being a fascinating lady, but does not believe in the Jedi lore. All that he is concerned about is that one of their guys went nuts and chopped the arm of the guy that was his closest friend. Lando wants to get back into the chamber, but Corrin wants to escape. Meanwhile, Chanath gets 066 to give them the control codes for the ship's operations system. They warn 066 that they left a small pulse bomb inside his neck in order to force his cooperation. 
When 066 asks why, they tell him that Palpatine wants them to deal with the thieves and make sure that none of them leave the ship. Elsewhere, Lando and Corrin argue about abandoning the ship. Lando refuses to leave without evacuating his friend Lobot. Lando and Corrin then receive news from the ship's intercom that the ship's escape pods have been disabled. Meanwhile, Pavel demands that Alexin tell him what is happening. They were lovers and were planning to use the proceeds to obtain a clone as a child. Alexin goes on a rampage and announces that no child will have a one-armed parent. Pavel fights back with a scimitar. Despite Lando's warnings, Corrin heads to the escape pod only to be confronted by Chanith. Chanith thinks that the Ugnaught Corrin did not steal the ship herself. Lando enters the fray only to discover that the intruder is his old friend, the female human Chanith, who works as a bounty hunter. After embracing, Chanith tells Lando that the vehicle that he stole belongs to Palpatine. She explains that the Emperor sent her to kill whoever took the ship and to destroy it if she could not recover it. As Alexan and Pavel fight under the influence of the dark side of the Force, Chanith warns that the only treasure the ship carries is death. You will find that it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. Issue number five. Chanith Cha tells Lando Calrissian that she is planning to blow up Emperor Palpatine's luxury yacht Imperialis per her orders. The Ugnaught Corrin Purs, a former Sava specializing in ancient cultures, protests that the objects aboard are priceless. Chanith responds that her mission was to find the thieves who stole the ship and bring them to the Emperor. When Calrissian suggests a plan C, Chanith points the gun at him and tells Lando that plans can get people killed. Lando tries to shift responsibility onto the rogue Alexan, but Chanith disagrees. After some discussion, Lando and Chanith reach a compromise agreement. Chanith will destroy the Imperialis, but she will help Lando and Corrin escape aboard her ship's scimitar. Chanith reluctantly agrees to take her wounded former lover Lobot, who was stabbed in the gut by an Emperor's royal guard. Before they can proceed, Alexan and Pavel, who have been corrupted by the dark side of the Force, emerge and demand that Lando and his companions leave the ship or die. Knowing that Corrin is a seeker, Alexin tries to entice her with the mask. Overcome by her desire for knowledge, Corrin takes the Sith mask from Alexin. Corrupted by the dark side, she decides to join Alexin and Pavel in taking the treasure for themselves and killing the others. However, Alexin kills Corrin with his double-bladed lightsaber out of jealousy. Chanith saves Lando and herself by shooting the corridors shut. Chanith then activates the ship's auto-destruct sequence and tells Lando to fetch Lobot out of the medbay. Lando manages to evacuate Lobot from the back-to-tank, but find their path blocked by Alexin. Meanwhile, Chanith tells 066 to bring the Scimitar to dock with the Imperialis. However, 066, who has reattached his arms, replies that his prime directive was to protect and honor the Scimitar. When Chanith threatens to ignite her pulse bomb, 066 replies that he deactivated the bomb and mocks her for telling him about it. He then flies the ship away, leaving Chanith to die. Chanith is ambushed by the lightsaber-wielding Pavel. However, Chanith reveals that she can fight with knives and prepares to duel him. Elsewhere, Lando tries to reason with Alexin to share the ship with him. He promises to get Chanith to deactivate the self-destruct mechanism. Alexin deactivates his double-bladed lightsaber, 
but Lando shoots him in the chest with his blaster. As they move through the corridor, Lando admits that he made up the claim that he hated blasters. Lobot starts to struggle against the implant. They soon discover that Chaneth has killed Pavel. Chaneth breaks the bad news, but Lobot connects his AJ-6 cyborg construct to the ship's interface and overrides the self-destruct mechanism code. Despite struggling with his implants, Lobot manages to overturn the self-destruct mechanism. However, the implants have taken over his mind. Lando and Lobot enter an escape pod. They try to convince Chaneth to come along with them by appealing to her feelings for Lobot. Chaneth tells him that she has moved on. Lando promises to find a way to cure Lobot. As they depart in the escape pod, Lobot tells Lando not to worry because he has beaten bigger odds. He reassures Lando that he is not angry about what has happened to him and that he lives by his own choices. While he still has control over himself, he tells Lando to stop playing and find something to believe in other than himself. He tells him to use his luck and charm to do something good, knowing that his old buddy can be a better person. As the escape pod flies into space, the Imperialis explodes behind them. All right, and that is our synopsis for the Lando comic books. Now, who uh, thought that Lando would have had dark side stuff, including the Emperor, in the comic? Not me. Yeah, seriously. That was quite a little plot twist they had. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming uh, you didn't get spoiled on this before? No, I had no idea. <laughs> awesome. I was hoping that you weren't spoiled on it, because I knew you'd like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, same thing as with Dark Discipline. When you're just adding more old school lore into the series, I am all for it. Good. Plus, it's interesting to see what Lobot was like before he was, uh, you know. Lobot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I actually one of my talking points was Lobot's implants and the fact that this is his origin story of how he becomes what he is in Episode Five. Mm-hmm. Um, when he can't speak and he's just kind of like a robot uh, not mm-hmm. a robot per se like i guess a robot like an android a, a reverse and like a cyborg battling that... semantics now. yeah it's it's a weird it's a weird thing but yeah no it was kind of cool i like the fact that they kind of hashed that out a little bit and the the speech that lobot recorded for lando um telling him like you should straighten out because like you need i don't hold it against you but you definitely need to slow down old buddy Mm-hmm. That was very touching. I like that. Yeah, and it brings a nice little um, what's it called? It brings a nice little bit of character development to Lando because it. I yeah. guess that explains a little bit more why he goes from, you know, Lando. guy on Cloud City to Imperial General Lando Cal- or Imperial General. Sorry, Rebel <laughs> oh, General. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Alternate <laughs> universe. This is yeah. <laughs> this is General Lando Calrissian. Yeah, <laughs> by order or you destroyed. Right? <laughs> how, how did that sound? Did that sound good? Exactly. <laughs> like that's like, like he couldn't change. <laughs> but yeah, sorry to Rebel General Lando Calrissian. I definitely, as soon as the comic opened up with uh, Lando and Cesara, I was like, this is very much a Lando book. Like it is to a T, Lando Calrissian. It was, it had, mm-hmm. I had no trouble um, believing that this was Lando Calrissian in this book. But you can have books where the writing doesn't fit the character. Oh, so like you were, 
you were getting it to the point where it's like, yeah, you could close your eyes and basically see. listen to this. Yeah, I could I yeah. could listen to someone read this to me and be like, yep, no, that's a that's a TV show or that's a I, episode of something with Lando in it. And you're hearing mm-hmm. Billy D and all that. Exactly. Just the, yeah. Yep. Um, stealing the Imperialis, which is a pretty cool name for a ship. Uh, it being it's actually lazy if you think about it. Palpatine's <laughs> yacht. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Yeah, it's like Imperialis. Why? Because it's the Imperial Emperor ship. Oh, oh yeah, clever. <laughs> I don't know. I like the name. It, it is a little no, simplistic, I, I but like it, it just I has like that. It. it has that like. Yes, it's the Im- Empire and the Imperials exactly. and stuff, but like the Imperialis, like that that last little bit there just makes it seem like it's so so highborn. Um, yeah, it sounds kind of like French or Latin. Yeah, exactly. Cheneth Cha wasn't expecting a, a bounty hunter to just kind of show up especially the emperor's like personal bounty hunter um she does do other mm-hmm. jobs and stuff obviously but uh emperor having a like a line to this specific bounty hunter she must be very good she does come up a little bit later in other comics so definitely keep your eye out for chaneth I, I believe chaneth does um but yeah i thought that was pretty cool and the fact that she had a relationship with lobot is like whoa i assume when i read this through the first two times that it was actually like lando and Chaneth, because you just assume Lando is like such a player, but mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to see that Lobot had uh, a relationship with Chaneth. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's that was a really good thing to do as well, because if it was something where it was like, ah, meet Lando Calrissian, he's an amazing smuggler who also the most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy it'd be like all right it sounds like someone's trying to turn lando carizian into a, a mary Sue, yeah a, a mary stew mary sue gary stew kind of thing um but yeah that whole kind of like he's the best and all the ladies love him and nobody ever made fun of him in class like <laughs> <laughs> he was the that, the cool that kind of thing talker some other cool points I thought were pretty interesting. The scimitar uh, being Darth Maul's original yes. ship. And that mm-hmm. coming back uh, was really cool. And then Janeth was like, yo, this is like old school tech for steering and stuff. What is this ship? And it mm-hmm. has like some amazing capabilities, as the Imperial Alice does as well. Um, the one thing I really found interesting too is the droid. The droid was very like matter of fact. Uh, but do you, did you catch its designation? Yeah, I was going to say, I was wondering if that was yeah. the same one from uh, Tarkin. Uh, I don't know if it's the same one from Tarkin, but the actual designation itself, do you, do you, kind of, yeah. do, do you understand what it is or? Yes. Oh, what are you getting? Order. order 66. There you go. Oh, oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. Ever. Right. I didn't really? get it the first time either until I read <laughs> yeah. it for this. Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta look at it. You gotta look at it written out. You're just like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, 066. I'm like, yep, order 66. That makes sense to me. (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) Did you really have a droid? Just come on. I mean, that's a stretch for me. And the fact that he's so stuck up pissed me off a little bit, I'll admit. Stop another one like this. I appreciate it because it's the Emperor's droid. The Emperor would have no droids that were incompetent in his. in his business, I guess. Um, so I, I did, I did appreciate that fact of that droid, but um, just kind of showed the emperor being very cautious. I programmed him myself. See, now, now I just want to see. Droid. 
now I just want to see like some little comic or something where it's just like Palpatine in his office going activate O sixty six. And the the clone goes, it will be done, my lord. No, wait. <laughs> Not what I meant. Not what I meant. The droid, the droid. <laughs> and you see him freaking out. His hood yeah. is still up and everything. Yeah, he's I like, know, it's it. treason then. <laughs> they really would be at that point. <laughs> I was also kind of curious, um, like from the sounds of it from the intro now that I'm remembering it, this takes place during the rebellion. Because I thought it would be kind of funny if, as soon as I saw the scimitar being like, I wonder if at this point in time he also has Maul shackled up in a prison somewhere, just sitting there being like, and now I have the complete collection. <laughs> <laughs> Shuttle have... and pilot. <laughs> other uses for you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what what were those other uses? He just sat in a prison and then got out. Right? Like... <laughs> Oh, we don't know where he... Well, wait, that prison, yeah, the Mandalorians rescued him from in the... Oh, yeah! Yeah. Like, Man, he I've hacked never seen up. That... Yeah. He hacked up I'm... really bad. Yeah, seriously, just... <laughs> I've just never the... actually put two and two together until right now. I was today years old. <laughs> yeah, because I saw them rescue him, and I was like, oh, wow, Palpatine didn't do anything with him, so... I just imagine... thought he was, like, locked somewhere for a bit. I hadn't realized, like, mm. no, that was Palpatine saying, haha, other uses. Yeah, JK, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Unless his, unless his other uses were, like, I have an empty prison cell that requires a body. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I could still see him do it just for that. Yeah, maybe. I really it's could. That it's petty. the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just there. Now it's complete. <laughs> what what would have been a worse punishment than that? Like, you are hereby banished to Otoganga. Oh, God. <laughs> my favorite place due to the yeah. fertility totem on my ship. Yeah. <laughs> a Gungan fertility totem? Really? Okay. Yeah. Speaking of that, like, that just goes to show with this ship alone, or yacht, sorry, I should say. <laughs> like, the Emperor must, if not own, like, because, you know, the galaxy is the Empire now, whatever. Mm. But, like, this guy just has secrets everywhere. Like, you could throw a stone at a, at a map and be like, yeah, he's got something there. Yep. Oh, don't worry about that. That's a secret clone factory. Oh, no, there, that's a shipyard. Oh, there, that's his yacht. Yeah, he has his fingers in everything, literally everything, man. But that's Palpatine. That is Palpatine, and that's one thing I kind of love with this chance to have the extended universe because I mean, come on, yeah, and come on, like if if you were like an all-powerful Sith Lord who controlled the entire galaxy, would you not wake up and be like, "I want another secret base. Where shall we put it?" It's like you've done all the things to get to the point, right? So now you're just kind of there. You're doing dailies at this point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, all the power. Yeah, all the power in the galaxy just being like, what okay. if we had a new type of ship? Like, <laughs> what'd you guys think of the Royal Guards? Yeah, so that was something that was simultaneously like surprising and then immediately like not surprising because yeah i remember seeing that and i was like oh man there's there's royal guards on this ship and then a second later it was like of, of course there are royal guards on the ship it's the emperor's personal yacht exactly i i was surprised at first when i read through it the first time back in 2015 um i was like did the emperor do that but now knowing um the the helmet of momen mm. 
understanding that and then being locked in that room with Momin's helmet for so long and the temptation of all the dark side energy in there, that makes mm-hmm. sense why they were corrupted under the helmets. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed the Royal Guards and the, the fights that they had. It was pretty cool. See, but then that leads me to, since this is the Emperor's yacht and everything, like you kind of expect a few more force traps, you know? Yeah. Like something, like could be I mean, lightning I mean, out of somewhere, poison out of a room you get locked, like simple traps, but something. I think so, he just assumed that people were not stupid enough to steal his ship. Fair. Mm-hmm. The guards were there the, maybe just for the Imperials to not go onto the ship if they didn't need to. Because it was on the docking area for being repaired, right? Mm. Just like regular mm. maintenance. Yeah, that's true. The The only other thing that I'm starting to get a little bit concerned with is um, Royal Guards are slowly starting to turn into jobbers. Um, I don't know what a jobber oh, is. If, yeah, I was, yeah, a jobber is a term for someone who just is all like always loses, constantly is being oh. defeated. And that's slowly becoming a thing that I'm noticing. Like, um, because the only two times. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. The only two times that we've seen Royal Guards in the new canon, as far as I know, is this and Rebels. Oh, Oh, that's not the one that I'm thinking then. Oh, don't mention it. Maybe I'm forgetting something. Yoda? Episode 3? Okay, never mind. Because he just throws them against the wall Uh, and they get knocked out. Yeah, those are real. But I give that one a pass because it's Yoda. Yeah, that's fair. Like, yes, of course, the Royal Guards are going to fail against the strongest Jedi in the galaxy. But with the other two, it's like, okay, here, two random twins that I don't know anything about have defeated the Royal Guards, which, I all right, sure, I don't know what their capabilities are. I don't know how amazing they are, but apparently they're better than Royal Guard. And uh, Rebels, where they showed up for a second, had a weird weapon I don't really understand, and then they died to rocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was just like... <laughs> All right. <laughs> that flawed armor is huge, yeah. bro. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, they were defeated by the same weapons that were wielded by the Ewoks. Yep. Which hurts a little bit. Had to go there. <laughs> I was going to say, though, the uh, what do you guys think of the twins? I Like, in the, in the characters. Like, the other characters that are in this, pretty much everybody dies except for Lando, Lobot, Cheneth Cha, and I think that's it. Like, everybody else dies. Like, the twins die, the Ugnut dies... And that's pretty much everybody, right? That ugly yeah. was annoying me anyway, so... You didn't? You know, I was surprised uh-huh. when they revealed there was a girl. Like a female Ugnaught, because I'm just like, yeah. yeah. I just assumed it was a guy. Because um, <laughs> it looked like all the other Ugnaughts, and I assumed that all the other Ugnaughts are guys for some reason. Oh, just God. my brain. Yeah. When you're a female <laughs> reading a book, and, you're, and you, it's unclear that the character is a boy or girl, you assume that it's a girl because you are female. Because it's from your, it's whatever is your norm, right? So when I read really a book a and I'm not too sure, like it doesn't it specify, then I mm. also assume that it's it's a guy because I'm a guy and that's what I thought character, you know, just, that's my go-to, right? Oh yeah, yeah, because it's yeah, our gen- norm. No, right? gen- gender bias is it's it's, it's huge. I can't, yeah, I can't remember. It's a subset of. Um, it's not called protagonist bias, but I can't remember what it's called, where basically it's the same kind of thing where if there's some sort of hero protagonist character who is a blank slate or doesn't have a lot yeah. of personality or stuff like that, you will impose yourself onto them. Yep. Oh, yeah. You will write it's yourself that onto part. that slate, yeah. Yeah, and that's why a lot of characters, like, 
in Star Wars, for example, have a very blank slate kind of character personality, right? Like Luke and Leia and Han. They've all got base personality traits that you would relate to because that's either what you want to be or... Um, Which we all you... did as kids. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. So. Right, that's why some people were like, I'm Han, I'm Luke, and, you know, for, for a lot of girls it was, I'm Leia. Um, I don't think anyone didn't... Was anybody ever want to be Padme? I'm not too sure. Um, um, not I, I can't remember anybody in my childhood that wanted to be, but... And that's one, one thing that's good about the Clone Wars uh, TV series, because you get Ahsoka, right, who's such an awesome character. Yes, yeah. And then for me, it was a weird one, because, you know, I was older when I saw Clone Wars, but I was like, oh man, it'd be so cool to be Embo. <laughs> yeah, right? I love Embo. But the way Embo gets beat on, yeah. like, well, that we don't would know, be right? insane. Uh, getting into Moment. Uh, so, is there anything else we want to talk about? I figure we can talk about Moment last, so then people that don't want to get spoiled for a future comic can skip it. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Basically. Yes. Yeah, because I haven't gotten that far in Vader yet. So you can, you can mute us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but, take um... off your headphones. <laughs> Yeah, add anything that you uh, wanted to add in? Sorry, I cut you off as you were saying stuff. No worries. There's one more thing I just took to note. The fact that, um, oh, it's like, oh, the the yacht got stolen. Don't worry. We got three Star Destroyers right there, bro. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be just fine. Ten minutes what? later. What? Yeah. Two of them what, are what destroyed. Do you mean two of them are, what, what do you mean two of them are gone? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the last one's what? Then that came up before the Rogue One did. What? <laughs> And it was very like a, Rogue One scenario. Right? Mm-hmm. So like, I, I did also like the... Oh, no, keep going. Yeah, so it's no wonder when the commander's just like, I have royally hacked this up. Yep, I cannot Pass get out of this. Pass me my blaster pistol, yeah. please. Mm-hmm. And good luck to you all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was I, like, I, well, I, the captain I, just killed himself, so now we gotta get the hell out of here? I don't know. Yeah. And and I love the captain's line to his subordinate, where the subordinate's like, what do we do? And he's like, well, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and for you, I hear the Rebellion's hiring. And I was like, oh, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Like, you know, get you out of here. Up. Get out. You need to get out now. Because yeah. the Emperor's going to come and find you. Oh, man. <laughs> Alrighty. So shall I duck out for a little bit while uh, you guys talk about moment? Sure. You should, yeah. Don't Bye, listen. Later. Moment, dude. Moment. Moment. So you know what? Moment. Moment. Sorry. (laughs) So, in appreciation for Vader, when Moment did show up, it had not occurred to me that I had seen him before. Neither did it to me. And then I was reading through Lando. I was like, "Wait a minute, is this the same?" It is. Yeah, because it's the same thing. So I'm sitting here just like, "Oh man." This is why I love Charles Soule. He is one of the best writers for uh, I, I Star didn't Wars. expect continuity over, that's crossing over the two, and I got it yeah. kind of thing. So for those who don't want to get spoiled on uh, a future series, um, you should skip ahead, I would say, about two to three minutes, and then we'll be back into normal discussion. We're just going to talk about this, which is spoilery for a uh, farther comic series in the future. I'll give you four seconds to do that. Three, two... One, if you have not skipped ahead at this point, then spoiler territory. You have been warned. Um, so <laughs> for those who don't... Sorry. You have been warned. For those who don't know, Momen is uh, a Sith that was an architect and prided his um, his ability to create things um, that could harness the power of the dark side. 
as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, we see Moment in Star Wars Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith, uh, near the end of that series, when Vader is building his castle. Um, he has that helmet, and the helmet possesses different creatures and stormtroopers on Mustafar to try and architect and create the final form of Darth Vader's castle, um, which does happen eventually. Um, yes. And what well, was it, ninth or tenth times the try? I think it was even like I think it was twentieth. I think it was quite far. It was quite a few. Um, but yeah, no, it was interesting. And then he betrays Vader, and this whole fight happens. But yeah, crazy the continuity there. Is there anything that you wanted to say about Momen specifically? Um, just that I don't recall the mass talking in Lando at all. Everything was either through touch or some kind of glowy eye. If you made too much connection with it, Did if you it looked talk at it too long. In Lando? I. Can't remember the specific. I think it glowed, and then like it might have like force talked to them, like in their minds, if anything. Maybe. Uh, I don't have the comic like up at the moment, but I believe it was just like yeah, you're right, glowy eyes and that kind of stuff. Um, it had to be on a person, I think, to, to be able to actually talk, right? Otherwise, it would just influence them. Yeah. Into like being more dark side, like that's I why, guess, yeah, yeah, because like Chem. Lando was still able to reason with the um pavel i think it was or the other one mm-hmm. uh, alexan um cat person um yeah. on the ship because he was saying things like oh you know we could do this and this and this and then everyone comes out of it no problem and if you don't you can kill me anyway so you don't really lose out either way and i mm-hmm. feel like if that was moment moment would be like nope dead you know yep but it wasn't moment it was uh alexan or whoever it was so yeah i think you're right there they weren't possessed by a moment, but they were influenced by a moment. Man, it was just, it was like overwhelming dark side at this point. It's like, what are the odds to get out of this? And that's how you know Lando has some kind of crazy luck about him. Exactly. All right. Are we good uh, to go back into non-spoiler discussion? Yes, we are. I am back. So with Welcome moment, back. make sure that you are um, up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, just be like, yeah, moment kills everybody. <laughs> they all it's die. Crazy. It's crazy how he killed Darth Vader and put on the armor. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not Vader when it's in episode six. It's not. Yeah. It's not Luke. Biggest plot twist of the century. It's I moment. am not your father. <laughs> I am your father's killer. What's that Spaceballs line? I am your father's uncles, brothers, sisters, cousins, <laughs> yeah. nephews, goldfishes, roommates, twice yeah. removed. <laughs> so with that, I think we have just about wrapped up our discussion. So let's take a moment. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I, was, oh, I should have kept it muted. To oh catch our into for those who don't know, we, we've done about passed we've... over. So I was like, okay, this is good. Like it's not being acknowledged anymore, and you pull this. Yeah, <laughs> you know the the ironic part is that about a year or two ago, I absolutely hated puns, and now I'm starting to use them. So I I've love become puns. Monster, I hated. I love how bad <laughs> puns can be, but I also love how good they. You can are be. supposed to destroy the puns, yeah. not join them. <laughs> you Bring balance to comedy. <laughs> Bring balance to comedy, not, not leave, leave it, it in, in cheap dark tactics. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways. <laughs> oh God.
So with that, we have wrapped up our discussions for this episode of Temple Archives, episode four. So I, we hope you guys enjoyed the summaries and discussions that we had about the novel and comic. Next episode's literature is going to be the novel Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. Great Ooh. novel. It's a young Ooh. adult novel, but it is fantastic. Go buy it. Go anyway. to the store just, just... right now and buy it. Mm-mm. There Four is times. part one if you are a manga reader that they Ooh. have that as well. Yes, the graphic novel Lost version. Stars. Yeah. It looks amazing. I wish they hurry and do more because well, I will read this way thing out. It's coming out this year. <laughs> So next month you need to read this one. Well, I will take you guys' word for it because I haven't read Lost Stars yet, so I'll be catching up on that. But the last time I heard you guys excited for a novel like this was Dark Disciple, so that sets my expectations pretty high. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna correct the record, Noma. Mm-hmm. You say disciple. Uh, disciple. I say disciple. Ed, what do you say? Disciple. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to get that off my chest. <laughs> Either way, we understand what you're saying. I just need to see yeah. it. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've, I've definitely heard Disciple before. I don't know why I stuck with Disciple this entire time. I've, I swear I've heard people say Disciple before. I would have to try so hard to say Disciple, and I appreciate your enthusiasm to do that. I like seriously, you. I can't help it. I seriously thought the entire time you were, I was in, in on the joke. And also, I was just going along with it, being like, okay, they're going to drop this sometime. Hey. And we get to the end, and it's like, um... <laughs> Okay. No one's gonna address this issue. Hey guys, guys, I would appreciate it if you don't pick on my English. I, I have oh, no, 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 don't pull this card. Don't pull the card. Don't do it. I have not been in this country for a long time. All right, just because I've only been here for twenty six years and was born here, <laughs> doesn't mean that English has to be my first language. Let's not look into the fact that English is the only language that I know. <laughs> if all else fails, Noma. Go to Google, type in the word, and tell it to tell you how to say it. Uh, I don't trust the internet. Anyone can program that. Do you not know just that like Google's helpful. always right? Yeah, just like, I, I trust it just like our teachers always told us we weren't allowed to use Wikipedia for our reports. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we talked about this. <laughs> What's the other gonna, book we're reading next week? Yeah, I'm or, just going to uh, pull next through month. this to ignore the, ignore the embarrassment. The con- <laughs> yeah, I'm smiling ear to ear, man. Uh, I'm not going to live this down for a little while. We love you. (laughs) So with that in mind, the comic that we are going to be discussing next... uh... (laughs) Now I'm losing losing my place. Next next month or next episode. (laughs) Uh... The the comic that we will be discussing in the next episode is going to be Star Wars Volume 2, Showdown on the Smuggler's Moon by Jason Aaron. So we hope you're excited for that episode. And now, to end the podcast, we have just a short little informational blurb for you, and I'm going to pass that off to Ed to tell you. All right, guys, and as always, we have several places that you can find us at. You can talk to us at anything you want to mention about what we've talked about today. You can reach out by email. We are voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Anything you want to talk about today, we'll have that under the subject title Temple Archives 4. And if you want to reach us on Twitter, you can tweet at VoiceForcePod. That is V-O-I-C-E-F-O-R-C-E-P-O-D. And make sure to retweet about our latest episodes because that is how people will see us. Use the hashtag TempleArchives4 and we will be sure to acknowledge you. 
If you find us on Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash voiceforcepod as well. Please like the page. And finally, be sure to listen, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, and Pocket Cast. All your reviews seriously help with the visibility of the podcast. And if you do subscribe, you will see the latest episode as soon as it releases. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. OBS firing and everything is fully operational. You may record when ready. Yeah. <laughs> you may fire when ready. We stand here on my OBS. <laughs> <laughs> Not yours. All right. Wait, are we recording now or do we just wait? Oh, no, we're, we're recording. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where I go. Okay, I'll just cut that out. I'll leave it. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you can leave that. You can do that for the blue. Or we can do like the 20th Century Fox. I, I, I want you to if if you do that one, we need to do the. Yeah. I was going to say, if you do that one, you need to replace it with the, the recorder version of it. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You sound like a robot. <laughs> it's aliens. Really? Oh, it was the terrible. <laughs> Noma's version of Lobot yeah. breaking. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> You can just you can just title it like Noma is uh, Noma's taken over by the cybernetic implant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>